I like to think that I have a bit of a flexible mind here and I don't have all the answers and that sometimes I learn things from my guests and sometimes they say things that I think are crazy and I, and you learn from that too, because then you go, Oh, well, that's not what I think this logic isn't sound or whatever. And then that allows you to, to, you know, find the path of, of what you think is right and what you think is, uh, is just and moral for society and all that stuff. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, I have on a rebroadcast. Don't hold it against me. One, it's we've probably tripled in size since I've had on Dave Rubin, uh, and this is one of those episodes that I thought was unbelievably great, and I almost regretted that I had him on this early in the podcast because, again, the, the, the population and listenership wasn't as big. Uh, but make no mistake about it, the reason why I wanted to post this this week, two reasons. Number one, I'm starting my summer, and I'm kind of busy, and I want to catch up with my kids. And number two is because um, there's been some nasty little Twitter spats that I wasn't necessarily a part of, and I got tagged in on. And, and I think that people were you know, saying sometimes the same things, but they thought that they were at odds with one another, and there was kind of this back and forth, and it, it, I don't know, this is kind of nasty, and kind of, it unfortunately kind of turned political, and for these reasons, I thought, you know what, I want to have on this episode again with Dave Rubin, so for those reasons, I know you're going to love it, if you don't know who Dave Rubin is, I highly recommend you take a look, at least at the YouTube channel, um, he's been quite controversial, but I personally think that um, he's kind of a, a, a guy that's wanting to have a conversation in a world where we're fighting over sound bites. So that's all I'll say about that and not run the episode. So enjoy this one, Dave Rubin. Okay, and we're now joined live with Dave Rubin. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. Don, good to be with you. Okay, so for full transparency, um, I have a class and a lot of my students tend to be on the free-thinking libertarian side. Um, and they they gave me this weird look that I did not know what the Rubin Report was. And so I'll be honest with you, in the last week and a half, I've been binge listening, and I felt compelled to reach out to you and have a <laughs> civil conversation because the first— Well, first off, I'm glad that you started this with a confession, that you're— you're new to the show that that exonerates you from anything that happens in the next 50 minutes. Uh, so that's good. Um, yeah. Liberal. What does liberal mean? I mean, liberal actually means live and let live. If you truly are liberal, you're for the individual because you want to live your life as you see fit and you want your neighbor to live his or her life as uh, he or she sees fit. Now, this has been sort of conflated with modern libertarianism, and we can get into a little bit of the difference, which I talk about a lot, between classical liberalism and libertarianism. But liberalism over the last 20 years, and, and I think something particularly crazy has happened in the last five years, has been hijacked by progressivism, which really is an authoritarian movement that's based on the collective, which is why they're constantly putting people in their little boxes. Usually those boxes are based on immutable characteristics, such as, as color, skin color or sexuality or things of that nature. Um, and basically, I just saw this terrible split on the left where the people that I considered liberal, meaning that they were okay with other points of view, they were looking out for the other, that whole thing, uh, they became the most intolerant people. And, you know, it was the people that were screaming about tolerance all the time that were actually being intolerant, certainly intolerant of diversity of thought. They like other kinds of diversity, but diversity of thought is not 
something that they're really into right now. And really over the course of the last two years where I've taken my show is just, I'm just saying what I think every week and, and having conversations along those lines, sometimes with people I agree with and sometimes with people I, I disagree with. Uh, and also I'm not, you know, I have, I like to think that I have a bit of a flexible mind here and I don't have all the answers and that sometimes I learn things from my guests and sometimes they say things that I think are crazy and I, and you learn from that too, because then you go, Oh, well, that's not what I think this logic isn't sound or whatever. And then that allows you to, to, you know, find the path of, of what you think is right and what you think is, uh, is just and moral for society and all that stuff. So, uh, it's been an interesting adventure, but this idea of, of the tolerance and the intolerance on the left, uh, obviously is something that struck a chord with a lot of people. Yeah. But l let me stop you and say that y y the most poignant word is you said you had a conversation. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and this is kind of the origins of why I wanted to talk to you. So, I'm a school teacher, and uh, before the show, we were talking about my class in this innovation open source learning class. And basically, we one of the best things we do is we open source learning. We don't like to learn from one source. It, you know, I've got some students that they code. We had four patents filed uh, last year in class. We do all sorts of things, and if they think that they're going to learn from just me, they're going to quickly realize how ignorant I am in a lot of things. So we open source of things. So a, a lot of our students like to have a, a, a debate, a dialogue, a conversation. Mm -hmm. And what's mortifying me is academia. I, I dare say more high schoolers are more open-minded until they go to a college campus. And, and for the record, I'm not bashing all college campuses. Mm -hmm. But it, it, when people like Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock can say, what the heck? I, I, I am scared for education if it's the monolith. I mean, think about this. The, 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 the epicenter of free speech used to be Berkeley, California. Yeah. And now. If, if Take the Seinfeld example, which I think was a real moment in the, in the sort of evolution of where this free speech thing is at, especially on campuses. You know, Seinfeld basically said, I don't, I'm not going to work colleges anymore because everything you say they're upset by and his – his example that he used was a joke about, a, you know, something about a gay king and his hand kind of, he had a limp wrist and that was sort of the, the take of the joke. Now it's a non, it's a, the joke is nothing. I mean, Seinfeld, the, the thing is I've watched every episode of Seinfeld probably 50 times. Uh, I've seen him do stand up. I've met him. I, when I was in my stand up days in New York, we, we did a couple shows together. Um, I don't know anything about him politically. I have literally no idea. That's the whole purpose of what's the deal with this? He, you don't know what his feelings are on anything. So if Jerry Seinfeld feels a man who doesn't give you any real opinion, who's just you know sort of giving you the most uh, kind of generic day-to-day -day life stuff, if he feels that going to a college campus is no longer worth it because they're offended by a limp-wristed gay king or whatever, uh, there's there's a real problem here. Now Chris Rock's different because he's obviously more political. But think about it this way: George Carlin, who I would argue is the greatest stand-up comic we've ever had, uh, he would be being booed off campuses and banned. Yeah. Forget booed off; he'd be being banned right now. He'd be thought of as an old white man, part of the patriarchy, well, who's and, uh, yeah, you know. Unless though, unless he was dubbed okay, you, you know, I, I I enjoyed the irony of uh, the election on how outraged people were. And for the record, I'm no Trump fan, but the people that were so offended by some of the words uttered by Mr. Trump when his hot mic was on, at one of the rallies, the guest of honor was Jay-Z. Um, mm -hmm. Please go over stanza <laughs> one of Big Pimpin'. I, I right. mean, I'm like, okay, so how, how did you just get a free pass? 
if well, you're offended. But the, but the simple truth there, unfortunately, and it's becoming more obvious every day, is you can say whatever you want no matter how – look, first off, in terms of free speech, I'm sure you're with me on this. I, I'm, I'm fine with anyone saying anything except for a direct call to violence. So – or I can't say that you're you're 100 percent on board with me, but I, I think from what I know about you. Um, so that's where I would be OK. But the issue is that, yes – if you hold the correct opinions, the mainstream opinions about politics, then you can say whatever you want. You can make any lewd joke. You can make jokes about killing Trump or beheading him, which there, you know, there's been all these cartoons or any kind of awful sexual thing about Ivanka. Now, I'm basically OK with all of these things uh, in and of themselves. But of course, if you were to do that, if, if someone on the right was to do that about Obama or anyone on the left, that would be, create much more of an uproar because the media and the academic elite. Uh, they're all sort of in bed together of which opinions are okay. So I agree with your premise, basically, that these kids in high school and in college, they're much more open-minded than the establishment that they're listening to. But, you know, that's also why the media is dying and, you know, CNN, which shows you eight heads at once in eight different boxes and you can't really understand anything and you never feel better or more enlightened after any of that. Uh, it's, it's all kind of going away. And I think that that's good. Yeah, well, and that's what's scaring me, though, because now you feel compartmentalized and you can't have a conversation because you'll take that one soundbite, take it out of context. Because uh, even the people that are of, let's just say, uh, um, a Larry Elder, or no, you mm-hmm. know what, better yet, we have a commonality. One of my students um, is a black conservative, and mm-hmm. he reached out to Tommy Sotomayor, who was on your show, which I really enjoyed that, and mm-hmm. uh, Tommy went on live. And he, mind you, this was at the time he was a 17-year-old student. And mind you, Tommy definitely brings, he, he, he welcomes the, the controversy. So sure. I'm not going to say that, you know, it, this was just Robert logging on and him getting his. But he was live on Tommy's show, and the most awful things were said about him by black people. Mm-hmm. And, and and Tommy was lambasting him for. He's like just just because the kid has a and and you know the the sad thing is is that Robert's like I I feel like I should have this conversation, but when you call me out on these things, it makes me even more you know angry. And, and then you know later on in the show he admitted because Tommy's like you know one of Tommy's big things is 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 fathers and he wants more people to be present as fathers. And he's like young man it sounds like you had a heck of an upbringing. Your father must be proud. And Robert's like well no um, murder suicide. My dad killed my mom and then he killed himself. Yeah. And for like two minutes the the the, the trolls backed off on him. And then they went mm-hmm. right back at him. And you know that he's a sellout and he's all this other stuff. It's that kind of, or 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 people like you, Dave. You're like, hey, I'm <laughs> a, I'm a freaking liberal. I want to have a civil discourse. And when you take that soundbite and you take it as, when you keep compartmentalizing, now people start having private conversations. And I'm telling you, when you start having those private conversations, that unfamiliarity breeds contempt. And that's when you you have these small Facebook groups that, that you know they can all safely say the N word, or they can all safely say that. And that that's what's scaring me. Uh, yeah. I, I want my students to have. I'm okay. I would like for them to be offended. Because when they're offended, they can defend what they believe in. And if they defend it well, then they believe in something well. So when I have some of my high school students that go off to universities and they're like, Wetrick, I tried to like get into an ethical good debate with my professor and he wasn't having it. I even had data. This is something that is truly, truly frightening me. Well, data can be gross and racist. I assume you do know that. (laughs) Um, Yes. Well, look, you're hitting on a lot of stuff. First off, 
these are the supposed tolerant people, right? And yet if Tommy Sotomayor or Larry Elder, in this case, two black conservatives, uh, if they happen to go off the group think, the group think being that black people should all be Democrats and the Democrats have only uh, done good for black people and Republicans have done horrible. Now, if you were to look at all the cities that have major problems with violence and police brutality and all that, if you look at Atlanta and Ferguson and Chicago and all that, they've all had Democratic mayors for like 50 or more years each. Uh, the violence in all of these cities has literally nothing to do with Trump, uh, but it's easy to just play it on Trump or whatever. So so they go off and they have the, they have they exercise their own free thinking and their own logic. And then what are they called by their own community, but not only their own community, but by the broader left? They're, you know, they're called all sorts of awful things. Look at Majid Nuaz, who is a Muslim trying to reform Islam. Who hates him? It's the left. He gets called a porch monkey and, and all sorts of awful things. Uh, and, and, you know, Larry and Tommy getting called uh, Uncle Tom's and all this. So who's tolerant and who's not? It's becoming more and more obvious. Look at what's going on on college campuses right now. If you brought the most far left communist Marxist, you know, wanted to destroy capitalism, burn down the United States speaker, they'd show up to campus. Pretty much nobody would protest them. Maybe there'd be a couple people out there, but they'd certainly be able to speak freely. It's not like conservatives and libertarians would be out there trying to stop them from speaking. And they'd speak. And hopefully what would happen is that the people that would go there to listen to them would realize that these are some crappy ideas and then they'd go home and that's that. But if you bring on now what are mainstream conservatives, I'm not even talking. We can put Milo aside for a second. Uh, but if you bring on a mainstream conservative, a guy like Ben Shapiro, who that's what he is. He's a mainstream conservative with a pretty tight logic. Uh, he is now banned from DePaul and gets you know, protested and threatened with violence and all kinds of other things at other colleges. So who's tolerant? Why not go and listen to Ben? And you know what? All at all of these things, including when I do it, we do a Q&A at the end. And you know what? You can ask your question. I not only do we do Q&A's a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at University of Arizona with Michael Shermer from Skeptic Magazine. And in the middle, I, I jokingly said to the audience, you know, are there any Nazis here? And someone actually raised their hand and there was a self-proclaimed Nazi. And I said, you know what? I said, you know what? At the end, because I do believe in the battle of ideas, we'll we'll give you the first question. And then this yeah. this woman, this woman came. It was a woman. And she at the end, she took the first question and turned out she, of course, was a Holocaust denier. And she went on and on about this stuff. Now, Michael works at Skeptic Magazine, created Skeptic Magazine, he's debunked all of these nonsensical myths and he destroyed her with logic, but totally respectfully done in the, in the free exchange of ideas that, and with the, with the uh, idea of, you know, you talk, then I talk and let's, let's do this and civility. Uh, and he destroyed her and guess what? No one punched her, but all of, everyone in that room at the end realized, wow, that's a conspiracy nut and Michael just beat her with logic. So it was a great example of free speech. And that's how you will win for free speech. It's it's through more speech, not by banning these yep. people or burning down the universities or the rest of this nonsense. But only one side is doing that right now. And unfortunately, it happens to be the left. And look, maybe if the if the political situation was a little different, it would be more on the right. But generally, people on the right, because they're more for the individual, certainly libertarians, uh, they generally don't get as ginned up for these sort of crazy groupthink um, episodes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I I remember my high school teacher, um, we had this debate once, and, you know, this is 1990, and he, he shockingly said, I support the KKK's right to march. Mm -hmm. and, and we're like, what? And, and he says, okay, so this is back in the days of the VCR tape. So he busts out this VCR <laughs> tape, and they had an interview 
um, with a guy that was, I don't know whether he was a grand wizard. I don't know. He was a guy. And they interviewed him. And every time he talked, he's like, okay, what, what did you think? I'm like, he's an idiot. He's like, yeah. Think how powerful it was that they gave him a microphone. And, and this is in 1990, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. and, and the same thing. Like, if you don't believe in something, give them the microphone. They're going to prove their case. Why? Just like in the case you're talking about with the lady that's a Holocaust denier. That's, of course. that's awesome. Generally speaking, a Holocaust denier or a white supremacist or some other, whatever these people are, their ideas are not great. So the idea that you would make them the victim by not allowing them to speak or by punching Richard Spencer or any of this other stuff, you're now making them stronger, actually. So, you know, we can we can get into Milo a little bit. I, I like Milo, but the idea, if you wanted to defeat Milo, he's very open about this. Don't show up. Leave him alone. Ignore him. That would be the the yeah. ultimate hit on him. Well, but instead, instead they strengthen him every time yep. by doing these over the top ridiculous things. And then, by the way, it gets more people curious. What could this guy be saying? Nothing attracts that, that they're the crowd burning like down the crowd. university. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and then what happens? What happens after that is that then then they hear Milo at some point, or they you know pull up a YouTube video or an interview that I've done with him or whatever it is, and they go, wait a minute, there is a lot of sense here. Yes, he may be saying some you know his language may be this or that or whatever. Or he says words you don't like, but there's a lot of sense here. And then they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. If they're trying to silence this guy and there's a lot of sense there, uh, then what else are they trying to silence? So these people consistently uh, destroy themselves, which is that's what this movement is made to be. It's, it's a snake that's eating its own tail. Yes, yeah, good metaphor. I, so where, where do we go from here? So, I mean, uh, here here we are. We're, we're preparing our, our students for college and and. Um, they kind of have a, and again, not all, not all, but they have a stranglehold. And, and here, here are two guys talking where I consider myself, you know, I did not vote for, not that it's in my business, but I did not vote for Trump, nor did I vote for Clinton. My guy couldn't name a foreign, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I voted for Gary Johnson too, I and know. I should be judged accordingly. I tried with that guy. And by the way, he, he's the first person in the last 20 years that possibly turned me against marijuana because, uh, you know, he couldn't remember a freaking thing. Uh, <laughs> he was he was just a disaster. And when I did my video in August, real quick on Gary, when I did my video in August on him, yeah. I said, let's support the guy so that we can maybe get him to 15 percent just so that he could get in one debate so that maybe you'd hear a little something about limited government and states rights and libertarian values and some of that stuff. And then it was as if as if he watched the video the next day, it was like within two days it was the Aleppo thing, then the tongue thing then he couldn't name the foreign leader thing. And he was just a nightmare. And, and I you know, I knew I'd had him on my show and he's an extremely nice guy and he's a decent person and probably shouldn't be involved in politics at the national level because of that. Uh, but, uh, he was, look, if he had done the debate, he would have Clinton would have crushed him with facts and Trump would have crushed him with, with sarcasm or, or whatever. So he wouldn't have done great, but it was, this was the year that if there were, if you were ever going to get some of this stuff out, there was, just anyone, if you would, Austin Peterson, who I had on my show recently, who lost the Libertarian nomination to Gary, he would have been a great, uh, a great person to put forth some of these ideas. And Gary just wasn't up to the task. And it's a damn shame because they could have pulled in some real numbers and people would have gone, wow, there is something yeah. to this. And he, he just didn't do a good job of it. Well, their own, their own nomination and their convention was a clown show. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's and I, 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 again, I only say that I'm a libertarian half the time because I'm so disheartened with the other bi- bipolar sides. 
But um, but I, too, had the same hope. I was like, you know, he's and I thought for sure if any time there's going to be an election where they're going to pull at 15 percent, it was going to be this mm-hmm. year. And 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 I want you to get your feet on this of my libertarian friends, which I have a decent amount. I said I was like voicing my displeasure of that. How could he not gotten at least 12 percent and almost without fail? Most of my friends said at the booth, I know that he didn't have a choice or chance, and I, 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 I switched. And I'm like, well, then who'd you vote for? 90% of my friends that are libertarians, and I was really disappointed, they said Trump. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? And they said, it's the biggest middle finger to government ever. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that logic. I mean, yeah. I've told this story, but I was – I was driving to the polling place and I, you know, I spend every moment of my life in this stuff and, uh, I did not know what I was going to do. I, I despise Clinton and the machine and the dishonesty and the lies. And I thought Trump, I have no idea what his moral center is and really what, what makes him tick and all of that stuff. Uh, and I did not know what to do. And I, you know, I'm, look, I have the luxury of them here in California. So I knew I could do a pure, you know, protest vote and just do it for Gary. And that's en- ended up what I did do. But I understand, I, I can hear the exhaustion in your voice when you, when you explain what your friends did, but I understand that, that position of if you hate big government and you hate this machine, then Trump was, Trump was the middle finger to that. Now look already, whether you like some of the things he's done or not, he is taking the machete to a lot of government stuff right now. And, and the tax stuff has been pretty good. I think if you're a small government person and, you know, getting rid of some of these agencies and cutting some stuff. So that's basically been pretty good. Again, it doesn't alleviate any of my concerns about him, uh, which are, which are great. Um, but the thing that I think is the saving grace about Trump right now is that let's put it this way. If you thought that there was something wrong with the machine and the media and the, all that Clinton stuff, if you thought something was wrong, well, if she had won, then the screws that have been slowly turning against us, and locking us all into this static, just inability to do anything and change, those screws would have been tightened. So with Trump, whether you like it or not right now, those screws have been set back the other way. And there's a lot of movement right now. Now, we don't know, is this movement going to be good for liberty? Is it going to be good for authoritarianism? Uh, But there's fertile ground for people to think right now. And we haven't had, when's the last time you had this many people thinking? Now, they're often just screaming at the same time. And we got yeah. a lot. So there's, so there's a lot of bad stuff. That's well, what okay, there's a lot so, of stuff, but there's a lot of opportunity. And that's that's where I'm trying to focus. I, and I am too. And, 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 but, you know, what is the screaming and what is dialogue? I mean, I, I, I just want to watch one Saturday Night Live episode right now that isn't solely revolved around one person. It, it, it's, it, are we going to have Trump fatigue Will, oh, the, yeah. will, will this cause a, a national debate? I'm hoping, but seeming though, and also let, let's, and I, 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 if you don't want to talk about this, you can tell me if you don't want to, but it's, it's good. I business. have no rules. It's, it's good business. Young Turks, mm-hmm. young Turks and people that just enjoy spitting anger mm-hmm. are big business. And, of course. and, and, and logic and reason are knocking at the door and it doesn't seem like they're on both sides, by the way. Yeah. I, 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 I abhor some, um, and I'm not going to go into, and I, sh- I shouldn't even said Young Turks, but I, I, there are also <laughs> people on the right as well that like they just make a living being overly divided. I, I swear I hated it when um, a particular, okay, Rush Limbaugh, I hope, yeah. I hope he fails. 
statement. And mm-hmm. my my good friend, and I have great liberal friends, the people that actually live liberalism, like you. And yeah. they're like, oh my gosh, rooting against the president is is you know high treason. How dare they? That's when the the whole country loses. We should support him no matter what. Okay, those same friends are calling for Trump's head. Of course. So, you know, <sighs> Sam Harris did a really great piece right after the election. Sam was beyond outspoken against Trump. Uh, I had him on my show a couple of weeks before the election and he was, you know, just rallying against Trump. He did a great piece, I think, a day or two after the election saying, look, we're all on the plane right now. Trump's the pilot. So if you root for his failure, you're going to take us all down, too. That, that's the thrust of it. He does it a lot, a lot more eloquently than that. So that, that's one thing. Uh, to your first point, you know, the, the hysteria over Trump is is bad at many levels. So it's bad just generally for the discourse. It's bad for us to be able to ascertain truth out of what's actually happening. Um, but what it's really bad at is that these people, you know, Maxine Waters uh, screaming about impeachment every day, but she doesn't have a reason to impeach yet, but she's going to find one. That's not how democracy works. And if this was, if this was a, uh, a, pre- a Democratic president, you know, president of the left, and there were Republicans screaming impeachment, impeachment, and we're going to figure it out later what he did. People, the media would be mocking the hell out of them. And by the way, the media did mock the hell out of them when that those kind of ideas were floated every now and again. Um, so the problem with the hysteria machine is that when you get hysterical about how Trump eats his steak or that he has small hands or that he uh, doesn't like walking downstairs, which CNN actually did a, a several minute video on, when you do all this stuff, well, then one day something real is going to happen. Maybe we're going to have an issue with North Korea or something's going to happen in Syria or there's going to be a terrorist attack here or, or an economic crisis. God knows what uh, our ability to gauge what is the level of outrage we should have and the amount of um of social uh, capital that we have to spend on any particular thing, we won't be able to gauge it properly. So all of these people that never said a word when Obama was doing drone strikes in Pakistan and was at war every day in Afghanistan and we were sending you know special missions troops into Syria and, and, and arresting reporters and all kinds, they didn't say a word for eight years and now they're 24 hours a day screaming about Trump. And these, I'm talking about celebrities and comedians and all these people, they've all, they've all become unhinged. And that is not good for logic and for reason and all that. And that's why I try. I've tried to bring on Trump supporters. I've tried to bring on people that hate Trump and just what what's actually going on here. Um, But you're right. There, of course, is plenty of money and clicks in doing, you know, Young Turk style garbage. Of course there is. And, you know, they taught me how to do it. So, you know, we did a lot of that, you know, clickbaity stuff when we first started because they were the kings of it. Um, but you can look at how we treat our channel now over the last couple of years, and we never do clickbait. There, there are times when, you know, we even will have an internal discussion about a certain video, and we know, you know, we can probably triple the video, the views on this uh, if we just title it a certain way. And I never do it. We always default back to let's do this right, let's not worry about the numbers in the small sense, and let's build something that's good. Now that's the way I treat. I try to do it, um, but you know, everyone is entitled to use the platform, any platform, however they wish. Yeah. Well. Case in point, I mean, I, I, and I again I feel bad. I just came across your stuff, and that's why I'm blown away. Uh, a, a guy that is a self-professed old school liberal wanting to have a, an open dialogue, and I'm like, how novel, how wonderful. Um, <laughs> because I, you know, I again, I the the, the hard thing is is that um, it seems like we're in this vicious circle of well, you said that too. You know, uh, uh, moveon.org, right? Mm-hmm. Get, uh, he's a warmonger. He's this, he's that. 
as soon as Obama's elected, moveon.org, just, they just disappear. Or they, they, they don't want to move on from – they want to move on from something else, something else that's a Republican-directed initiative. And then all of a sudden the drone strikes are coming and some of these other things, other than Reason Magazine, it goes by unnoticed. And it is. It's that, well, you said it against our politician. And, and, and well, you, you, you made these claims about Obama, and you, you wanted him to be impeached, so now it's our turn to always cry impeachment and always other things. This tit-for-tat thing is just – it's awful. And what I really truly hate is the amount of true friendships that are broken up, or even I've heard of some crazy marriages that have been broken up oh, over, yeah. over your identity politics. And I'm wanting to scream at people. It's like it's not, it's not you or, or, or as Gary – Gary Vaynerchuk's. I mean, he had a, a post not too long ago. He was with Damon John, and he's like, "Well, I'm sure you've seen it." You know, he's like, "If you think that your political candidate is really out for you and he's going to solve your problems, you're a, bl- a blanking loser." Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, "Thank you." It's this identity politics is just so toxic, and and I think that our younger generation, who really truly needs to have. Complete open dialogue to learn to learn how to fail to to reflect on a failure. It's this kind of correctness that there is no dialogue. And if you want to have the dialogue, you are somehow shamed and wronged. That- but that's the that's the danger of safe spaces and trigger warnings and deplatforming people and burning down universities and punching Nazis. All of these things they just push you further and further into your own intellectual corner. And then once you're there. You've pinned yourself. Everyone, how is it that everyone that you disagree with somehow is some sort of bigot? What an incredibly lofty position you find yourself in defending all of humanity because everyone that you disagree with is a bigot and a racist and a homophobe and an Islamophobe and all of the, and a transphobe and all of these things. It's just nonsense. But if you keep insulating yourself from real ideas, then it, you could get to that point where you would be so sure that you are right that it would it would almost have a religious fervor, which I always think is hilarious because the left, in many ways, you know, hates religion. Although they they've fetishized the hell out of Islam, but they really hate Christianity uh, and mock the hell out of it from the comforts usually of being in Western Christian nations that allow them to do it, which I think is great, of course. Um, but if you've gotten to that place where everyone that argues with you is – if you've tricked yourself into thinking that they're all evil, then just wait until that ideology takes power. So you know, I'll see sometimes people say to me, well, Dave, you should be fighting against the right more because the right is in power. Now, I think you could make an interesting – we could have an interesting discussion about whether Trump is actually the right or what that even means. Is he a conservative or even a Republican in most respects or any of that? But to me, th- this battle against – of what's happening with the left, it's it's much bigger because it's about the media, it's about young people, it's about college, it's about professors, it's a, it's truly about the future. It's not some little squibble that we're having over little partisan politics. This is about this is a true battle of ideas, and these ideas are bad, and they they must be fought on all fronts. So, what do you think? Where do we go from here? I mean, I, 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 I applaud the effort of having um, our youth, and I'm not saying just our youth, but I, I applaud the, 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 the poll, I'm sorry, the push to say, what's fake news? What's fake news? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some irony there, and I'm sure you'll talk about that. But does this new heightened awareness of fake news, does it create even more news sources? Do we keep, do we keep sub, like, are, are we going to keep finding micro you know, micro bloggers and micro news sites because now CNN can't be trusted, Fox can't be trusted, NBC can't be trusted, or, or are we going to lift up the big four? 
Well, we're watching the structure just crumble, right? I mean, five years ago, those things were basically trusted, basically, whether you, you know, if you were leaned a little more to the right, then you liked Fox more. And if you lean a little bit to the left, you liked MSNBC more and, and CNN was more, somewhere more sensibly in the middle. Um, but these, the structures, just the media structures in general, they're crumbling in real time. Now there's incredible opportunity there. You know, I talked about those screws being loosened before in the political sense, but now those, they're also being loosened in the media sense. So anyone, any one of your students or anyone listening to this or any of my audience can create a YouTube channel, can create a podcast, all that stuff, and then build an audience. And hopefully you do it by, by saying what's true and you do some, you try to do something good and not clickbaity and evil and all that stuff. But that being said, the barrier to entry is so low that anyone can do it. And any, any idiot can put on a suit and sit behind a desk and pretend they know what they're talking about. Uh, that was a little nod to your uh, young term, Turks comment from before. I almost called them the young turds. That's, uh, that's something else altogether. I know. Um, but, but anyone can do that and pretend that they're telling the truth or pretend that they know what they're talking about or that they're actually educated in these topics or anything like that. So the idea that the Internet is completely open is, is spectacular and it's changing the world. It's changing, it's changing our very humanity, which is wonderful and amazing and incredible. Uh, but because of that, we're split even more now and everyone's finding their own quote unquote truth wherever they can find it, uh, which is why I'm completely open on the show. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. I'm trying to learn from people. I learn, as I said before, sometimes I learn from, from people that, that reinforce some of the things that I think, but sometimes I, I learn from people that tell me some stupid stuff and then I go, that, that, that's not the way either. So it's, it's on you now. It's on younger people particularly to try to find some places that you think someone's trying to work through the problem. Uh, and if someone is just screaming uh, hysterically that Trump's the devil, or they're just screaming hysterically that, uh, that you know, the Democrats are evil or whatever it is, well, then they're most likely not giving you an honest assessment of things. You got to find people that are trying to work the problem and they're, and people are popping up and they're, and we got to, those are the people we have to find. I'm constantly looking for those people. So hopefully, hopefully there's more of them out there. I, my, op, yeah, I enjoy your optimism. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm frightened. I, I mean, I, I, I probably am one of those. I am afraid of Trump fatigue. Um, are they going to be, I mean, look, I was so emotionally tired at the end of the Bush administration because there were some things that he did and I'm like, Oh, and then soundbite wise, he was never, you know, and after a while, you just almost kind of like, I give up, you, you know, when, whenever, and, and again, I'm far from a Trump supporter, but every now and then I'm like, okay, at least the economy's doing good. And then he'll mm -hmm. go and he says the dumbest things ever. And, and I'm like, could you, is there some sort of aid to give you a filter? Could you, <laughs> could somebody please cut off his mic or could you take away his phone um, I'm just afraid that he'll constantly put his foot in his mouth. He'll be so unlikable. It's unreal. And then uh, like, the other day, like basically there was something that half, halfway decent happened uh, for the administration. And, and the topic of the day on NPR that day was ways that he could be impeached. I'm not making that up. Yeah. They had a guest huge... on, on ways that he could be impeached. And I'm like, no. Yeah, but, but think how dangerous what you're saying is that, okay, so we have a president that either we, we don't trust or we don't know what his instincts are or whatever. Now, by the way, I would give him, I would offer him a little more of a, a defense there 
which is that sometimes he he shoots these crazy comments off and these tweets off, and then they're immediate. You know, you get the entire media saying he's evil and he's a liar and all this stuff, and then you end up finding that there's usually a, some grain of truth into it, uh, and which then turns his own audience. His own audience goes, you know, his fans, whatever his, his supporters go. Ah, you see that the, he did say something true or at least partially true, and the media is out to get him. So you they they so we've got this like monster that's just that's just eating it, itself. But this thing about the impeachment and the rest of this stuff, it's just, it's a terrible process. If you don't like Donald Trump, if you don't like, and I would say this for any president, if you don't like the president, the, the answer is not to burn down the system and burn down the most incredible democracy that has ever been on the face of the planet Earth and given more people from more corners of the world a place to, to be free and, and live their best life. You don't burn it down. What you do is you try to get us back to what the founding fathers wanted, which is a true uh, separation of powers and three branches of government and limited power to the executive branch and all of those things. But instead, we've just ceded power and all presidents do it. And the left had no problem when Obama was doing executive orders. So now they're upset that Trump is the evil king doing executive orders. It's like, where were you guys? Where were you guys? You got to have principles when it's tough to have these principles. So the solution is not burn down the system right now. The solution is Let's start limiting the power that these people have over us. One way to do that, well, stop giving them all your money. First off, never give anyone running for office money, your own personal money, but then at the same time, always fight for lower taxes. You think the government's evil? Well, stop, stop giving them money. Yeah. Uh, and, and those would be sensible ways to deal with this monster, but, but just trying to burn down the system and, and find ways to impeach, that, that's not what this is all about. Well, but I, I think that's the other issue is is that now I see, while those are all logical arguments, I don't see a lot of logic going on right now. That mm -hmm. a lot of, I keep asking, you know, people like my dad and my dad's age, not that my dad was a hippie, he was not, but like, where did the hippies go? Come mm -hmm. on. You know, where, where, did all, where did all the free speech and free ideas and exchange of thought, um, I, I don't see the people that will want to see you know, oh, well, let's take power away from the government. I see more and more people say, let's give more power to the government, which I, blows my mind. Um, well, you know, they, they are out there. They are out there. But the problem is that if you're based in logic and reason and liberty and individuality, generally it's hard to get these people really ginned up to start fighting for something. And, you know, when the, when the Tea Party came around and they were fighting for more limited government and all that, look at the way the media treated them. Oh, the, yeah. media treated, the media treated them like they were a bunch of backwards, uh, you know, white supremacists who were in insurrection against the government. And that's not, they were calling for lower taxes. They were calling for states' rights. They were calling for, uh, you know, being governed more the way the constitution intended. Now, did you have some colorful characters in that? Sure. Um, but look, but you can also look now the left has their own version, you know, with the women's march and all of these things, this intersectional mess of people who all want to be oppressed more than the other ones so that they can be more virtuous. Well, the media treats them like they're, like they're yeah. gods. Well, and um, the amount of people that were seriously injured at, and I keep having to apologize because uh, like I have so many of my friends, just great people that abhor Mr. Trump. So I, I almost feel like I don't want to endorse, but like these rallies that they were like only two news outlets would show these people were being kicked and thrown and bottles thrown at them at the mm -hmm. Trump rallies and very little, if any reporting would go on yet. If there was a tea party movement and, and a guy gets shoved, see, of course. see, of course. they're violent. And it, look what was happening. Look what was happening outside of the, uh, the DNC 
when they were nominating Hillary and, you know, half of the people were in insurrection against Bernie, there were massive violent protests outside. They got almost no coverage. The only, you could barely see anything about it on any mainstream news. You could see it on Periscope and you could see it on Facebook video and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but yes, you're right. If the Tea Party would have nudged somebody, if a Trump supporter, not to say there was no violence, because we know people got punched at, at Trump rallies and all that other stuff. Um, but the the equivalence is crazy because in one hand you're allowed to have certain opinions, uh, and then on the other, if you if you veer out of that box, then you're the bad guy. But I think that that narrative is crumbling, and I think that's a little bit of the. Maybe that is the optimistic way to view it, but I do think people are starting, you know, they've become so hysterical that they're making sane people because they're breeding them because because the average person who doesn't even care about this stuff is going, well, this isn't right. And it's becoming more and more obvious. Well, I, again, I, I, I hope your optimism wins. Uh, I, I I would love for there to be more of a discussion on the things that we do have in common. I, I, I you know, I hate all the constant, constant, constant division that we all have to be divided on everything. And my gosh, it, most people and, I, and, you know, there's been some really cool YouTube videos that uh, I think it was even was it Heineken that they like mm -hmm. pitted, that pitted people against like if they just had a conversation and, mm -hmm. and they weren't using their soundbite and listening and reacting to that soundbite. But when, when most people get together, it's a it's a damn great country. It's yeah. a, most people are really, really great. And, and, and when you all sit down for a, this show is not sponsored by Heineken. Um, but you know, if you, if you were to sit down and have a beer with people, most people are really, really, really great people. And I, man, uh, if we can put a, a quick and swift death to identity, politic covering, how are we divided? How is everything awful and evil? Um, if we can put a quick death to that, I, I, I'd, I'd love to have more um, places lift up social service. I'd like to all the great things that are, and I know that you know that doesn't sell, but man, I'm I'm hoping there is a day that that does that. Look, um, if you want to know, if you want to know if this uh, movement is right or not, this SJW, you know, Marxist nonsensical movement. If you want to know if it's right or not. Look, they scream, they rant and rave, America is the most evil, racist, imperialistic society. Now, first off, everyone, as I said earlier, everyone from every single part of the world has tried to come here for the last several hundred years to make a better life. And in most cases, people did. Even people that are struggling right now, it's better here than it was wherever they came from. So these people, they tell you how horrible it is and evil and awful. And that isn't to say that we haven't done bad things. Of course, we, we come from a... Uh, we're a nation that has slaves. So we've done bad things. Have we had wars that were, were unjust or whatever? Okay, fine. You can make all those arguments. Do we have to change the tax system? Okay, fine. But they'll tell you how evil and horrible America is. And then at the same time, they'll demand that we should have open borders for everybody so that everybody should come here. So which is it? Why would you want open oh. borders so that everyone could come to this yes. horrible, evil, racist, patriarchal society? It's abject nonsense. They want they want control over you. I've got to they, tell you this story. Yeah. I, I I was just in Medellin, Colombia, mm -hmm. and um, I was visiting some schools, and there was this wonder. I might even put it in the description notes. There was this wonderful mural, um, and it was uh, President Trump, and it looked like he was a caveman. He was dragging his knuckles, and his club that he was carrying was the Statue of Liberty, and it was beautiful. Uh, the, the student artist that did it, I mean, it was just talent. And basically in Spanish, it said, you know, America is returning to the stone age by building stone walls. Mm -hmm. And, um, the principal was embarrassed that I saw it and some students wanted to talk to me about it. And they're like, Oh, we're sorry. We're sorry. I said, that's okay. 
like free thought, man. I love it. And I was like, yeah. like who did the art? And, the, and then so finally <laughs> they felt comfortable and they said, oh, you must have voted for Clinton. I said, no, I didn't. And then mm-hmm. they got nervous. And then I, I said, don't worry, I didn't vote for Trump either. Like, oh, okay, you know, who'd you vote for? Well, the libertarian. What's a libertarian? Well, that's a problem. And I yeah. said, um, I said, well, uh, and they said, well, if you don't mind, they said, uh, it's really hurtful. They said, look, we don't even want to live in America, but just knowing we can't hurts our feelings. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, okay. And then this is where the miracle breakthrough comes up. One kid, yeah. one kid quietly says, we're no better. Uh-huh. And then a bunch of kids turn around. I'm like, what do you mean? And he, he just said one thing. He goes, Venezuela is our neighbor. And then mm-hmm. all the kids kind of drooped and looked down. He says, we don't want Venezuela's problems. Our, our border is secured because Venezuela is, they've got their own problems to worry about. Mm-hmm. So he says, he, goes, he says, oh, so, you know, I don't want to criticize you for your country making the same decision ours made. Now, I haven't necessarily fact-checked him on this, right. but, <laughs> but like, he was willing to have that kind of dialogue, and and I loved it. I appreciated it, and and quite frankly, that's that's where I'm I'm going to end with. I I loved this conversation. I love the fact that you have a show reaching out to both liberals and conservatives and wanting to have a dialogue. That is so 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 missed. Um, I I would you know encourage basically if if you are a student or an educator, have these kind of debates in class. Have these kind of dialogues if your teacher is not going to allow any dialogue that's a problem that's that is one of the biggest the things that we're we're talking about right now uh last question for you if you were in the education system um how would you meet this problem um well i don't think it would be far from what i'm doing right now i would encourage students to express their ideas. I mean, this is, you've hit on this a couple times here, but this concept that teachers and professors are now demanding, uh, you know, silence or acquiescence or just regurgitation of their own nonsense. That's not what college is supposed to be about. It's not what high school is supposed to be about. So when I've traveled over the last couple of months and gone to all these colleges, I'm encouraged by the amount of kids that I see waking up to this nonsense and, you know, coming out and saying, you know, this, this is not right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. But what I always say back to that is, you know, look, because a lot of them will say, well, you know, I just have to kind of go along with the professor for now. So I get a good grade and then I can fight this, you know, when I'm, when I'm out. The thing is, there is, this is the moment. It's always the moment because if you think this stuff is bad now, guess where it'll be in five years. If, if we all just kind of sit back and we're, just kind of like, ah, you know, there's about 20 people out there that are fighting this thing publicly, but I don't have to do it. And I, I have a job and a family and I don't want to upset people. And blah, blah. Well, it'll all just keep getting worse because they'll just keep chipping away. They're working. They're working to, to take away your rights. And if you just sit back because of the comforts of living in the West and having PlayStation and television and the Internet, well, then one day you'll wake up and it'll be too late. So I think the most important thing you can do is get engaged, whatever that means. Don't be, if you think that, uh, if you tell your political opinion to your friend and they're not gonna be friends with you anymore, well, I'm not for losing friends over politics, but maybe you need to think about what kind of friendship that is. Friendship's a two-way street. So uh, get out there, have these conversations, and guess what? If you're not a bigot and a racist and all those things, then uh, when people say it to you, it won't really have any meaning. Uh, because you're the one that's give, that gives words power. Not the, the words themselves don't mean anything. So stand up for what you believe in. What, I don't see any other way. 
Awesome. Okay, so if the people that were like me up till two weeks ago and haven't <laughs> discovered the Ruben Report and all this, there's, give me your vitals on uh, your, your social media sites and, and the website and everything else. My branding guy is really good. It's uh, twitter.com slash Ruben Report, youtube.com slash Ruben Report, instagram.com slash Ruben Report, rubenreport.com. And uh, there's probably some other ways, but we'll, we'll stick with those for now. I'm I think I'm on theme. Snapchat, but I'm very confused. Okay. Yeah, I, I would bet it's probably Ruben Report on Snapchat. <laughs> it probably is. It's shot in the dark, but it might just yeah. be. Oh, man. Again, I sincerely appreciate you being on. Thank you for having an honest dialogue. Thank you for doing what you do, and uh, best of luck in the future. Thanks, Don. It was a pleasure. All right. All right, there you go. Dave Rubin of The Rubin Report. Again, recommend you check out his podcast and YouTube channel. If you want to do me a favor, give me a recommendation on who you want to see coming up. Uh, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash startedup. That's where I get a lot of our introductions and recommendations. Or you can always email me, Don, at startedupinnovation.com. Also, a share or retweet of this episode is the way we grow, and it never gets old. I sincerely appreciate it. Other than that, this is Don Wetrick reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. We'll see you.